for the attack to happen when the camera starts. Hi. Hello. Hello. How you doing? So good. Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals. And best friends. And we're here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. Not all glitter and rainbows. Or as we like to say, I forgot. It's a lot more shit than giggles. I'm Kim Haynes, and I'm a midwife at a busy birth center in a small home birth practice. I'm Meredith Rout, also a birth name right? I'm Meredith Rout, and I work at a small home birth practice also, and I'm a midwife. <laughs> and I'm Jess McKee. I'm a doula, and I'm also a birth assistant at the same out-of-hospital practice as you guys. Very, very popular and practice. I'm also a doula for anyone else who wants to hire me outside of that practice as well. Well, that did not go that smoothly. Was not smoothly. Also, I think my phone might be vibrating, so I'm just going to do this while you guys start. I don't know what it is, but it's like every time right before we hit record, it's like every dog in the room and cat and kid and child. comes in like, what the hell? And Brock just stood there staring at us. We're like, could you go that way or that way? Pick us left or right. No. No, I'll just no, stand I'm right just here. stand right here. And no, then we start talking like, the second. We literally recording. haven't heard from you in the two hours we've been at the house. <laughs> And now that we're going to hit record, you're just going to sit right in front of well, us. If we if we'd start going somewhere else, like I keep saying we should, but then I say, let's just do my house. Eventually, we it's will, my fault. Eventually, we're going to do that. Now we have a snazzy office space that we're paying for. I know. Well, thanks to the Rona, there's really not a whole reason to my, leave my, the house. My, 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 Corona. No, 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 no. So what are we talking about today? Um, We are talking. Age old question. <laughs> We are talking about uh, age when it comes to pregnancy and birth. So like advanced maternal age. Whenever someone says AMA, I, I want to yeah. yell Beachfront Avenue, <laughs> even though it's not. <laughs> I always want to say against medical advice. That's what I do too. I'm always like, oh, you do AMA. Good for you. They're like, I'm AMA. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Show that informed consent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. I was definitely AMA with um, Brock. Because I was 36 when I had him. So then let's say, what is the formal definition of oh, AMA? Oh, that's why he is the way he exactly. is. I don't think that's why he is the way. Apparently, it's, my your, egg it's, was, apparently it's your problem. The, my um, egg was damaged. Yes. <laughs> my egg got broken like Humpty Dumpty on the way out. <laughs> so the official definition for advanced maternal age or geriatric pregnancies. <laughs> is it Geriatric pregnancy. Take you to the uh, nursing home of birth. Mm -hmm. um, the official uh, definition for that is a person who is giving birth after at the age of 35 or after, which I was reading then some places it's some people consider it's it 40, 40 and yeah. some people consider it 35. Yeah, but every like that's changed in some definitions everywhere around here has been considering it 35 yeah, as far as I know. That's what I see here. So I thought it was interesting that the research that we were looking at today does it um, when they're looking at statistics. It's anyone under 35, anyone 35 to 40, mm -hmm. and then anyone over 40, because I guess that five years just... Makes or breaks. Yeah. Makes or breaks. <laughs> what's going to happen? Yeah. And so there's several different risk factors of getting pregnant or giving birth after a certain age. Um, and we're going to talk about those a little bit. But I also just want to talk about the stigma of being called like when you. Geriatric. Yeah. <laughs> Advanced And <age>. pregnant. <laughs> Jeez. That'll Number make you one, feel good. Like, I feel like the only geriatric pregnancies that should be called that are like when women in nursing homes get knocked up at 
much older than what you would ever anticipate <laughs> happening. When someone's 70-year-old mom is like a surrogate for them, that's a geriatric <laughs> pregnancy. Or like when they don't know the dad is because in nursing homes, it's like very... Is that a thing that happens? Like, oh, yes. STIs are the highest in nursing yes. homes. Well, no, but STIs I could see happening. No, but they're not getting pregnant, obviously. They don't... No. I'm sure there... I bet there's some rabbit hole that you go down where there's like some geriatric pregnancy. Okay, I thought this was something that you'd actually heard about that. Okay. Like, no. that's Now I feel like I need to... Nursing home babies. And I'm the, like, what the heck? The other day, Chuck was like... Um, he always jokes like, oh, what would you do if I weren't here? And then I always like do the... <laughs> I do the Austin Powers thing where I'm like, oh, God, I'd be inconsolable for at least 10 minutes and then I'd move on. But the other day I said, oh, I would just move into a nursing home and get all the STDs they have and just go crazy. And he goes, what? The, what are you talking? So I had to explain it to him. And he goes, oh, well, it's nice to know that when I'm gone, you're going to turn into an old whore. And I'm like, um, excuse me. Is it a whore? <laughs> it's a whore. First it's off. Not, it's not shocking. <laughs> is, it, is it shocking? I, think I said it's not. I think there's. A, I know that's what I'm saying. Saying like there are so many other things I could have said that would have been more shocking. I'm gonna be a nun than being a whore. That would have been shocking. Christ is my. What did you do in your golden years? I was a drunken whore. (laughs) A drunken. I was the first geriatric pregnancy in my nursing home. I had so many orgasms. Maybe never mind. Not. She backtracked real hard right there. So there's only there's only part of this conversation that actually affects your birth care, because part of the risks of getting pregnant um, before after the age of 35 are that like it's harder to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of people over the age of 35, there's more infertility. There's, you know. Um, what's interesting is that the the studies, we like to use studies based on actual research, not like old stuff. So the site or we were looking funded at. by not, people with an agenda. Not right. geriatric stuff. Right, not geriatric <laughs> stuff. We don't like geriatric but research. There's a geriatric study. <laughs> there is. So it was, it was interesting that a lot of the information that used to be out there. Yeah. Jess just took a giant mouthful. (laughs) I don't know what's what's in it, but there's a bug stuck to the inside. Yeah, there's a bug stuck, and that's been sitting there before we got here. I thought that it was my gin that I'm sipping on, but it is some kind of old water, and my brain didn't know what to do with it for (laughs) a minute. It's actually someone's dip spit. So you didn't. Oh, I did that at a party once. I did that. Actually, one of my parents' parties, I took a giant chug out of a beer bottle that I thought. I spit it onto my parents' carpet and kept <laughs> dancing like nothing had happened. Wow. So that was me, Mom. Classy if you're listening. Anyway, this the study said that because the older studies were kind of tossed out saying that women have less sex when they're older, which I find to be completely false. Yeah, not true. true. But um so they based As evidenced by STI rates in nursing. Exactly. Homes. So they based this the newer studies on women who were um who did IVF. Mm. Or not IVF. Um, not. That's our. I U R. Our children. Sorry. Singing. Wow. I U R. Yeah. So they were inseminated. Yeah. Every once a month, um, for however many months it took for them to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. But my thing with that, and they found from those studies that it was harder for women to get pregnant the older they. Yeah, were. the older they got, okay. the longer they, the, the longer they took. But my thing is, most of the research that we'll be citing today comes from research that they are doing i i want i'm not am i saying it right yeah so, so, we, so iui sorry iui so i don't know why i said iur but um so how accurate is that some even? of the articles are 
so we're using the evidence-based birth article about advanced maternal age. Um, and so they use a bunch of different studies. And one of the studies they quoted was that where they are going from, uh, like... But technically, those women are already having trouble conceiving in the first place, right? Because they're doing IUI? No, I think they just did it for the study. Like, yeah. women who wanted to conceive. Okay. Um, but you're going to have to bleed out. That is embarrassing that I said IUR instead of IUI, like an idiot. That's fine. We're talking no. about IU. Let's just IUGR. start calling it IUD. I know. That's why. Because I was like, IUGR. I'm missing a letter. Is it an IUDR? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. And then when I pass the intersection signs, it just looks like instructions on how to insert an IUD. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Yes. <laughs> anyway. Um, so that's why we can't talk research first thing in our podcast because we no. just start falling apart. So, so that's fast. so that's part of it is harder to get pregnant, which doesn't really affect us as providers. Um, so, but then there's also preconception care. Then there's also that there is a higher risk of your baby having Down syndrome after the age of thirty five, which it's it's still a slight risk. It's not. I think that one, it was more considerable than I thought, but it was also, it, regardless of your age, it was, mm-hmm. it'll say double, but it was still less than 1% if yeah. I remember mm-hmm. correctly. So that's not, yeah. and then, you know. um, it's like any other risk that you take, you just need to take into, yeah. But that also, look at the numbers. that also doesn't really affect us because for the most part, having a baby who's Down syndrome, they can still be born vaginally, mm-hmm. like potentially out of hospital. Yeah. As long as there are no accompanying heart conditions issues. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that kind of thing um so when when it comes to like talking about us really what we wanted to talk about today is like the rates because i've seen there's a cult, a really big culture um with older moms and that's what i was talking about like the stigma of being labeled ama so i talk to moms that have that and they're you know first thing in pregnancy they go to the hospital and they're given a form saying they're advanced maternal age and these are all the risks and 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 that label sticks real hard because it says like you're twice as likely to have a down syndrome baby you're four times as likely to have a miscarriage or a stillbirth and Mm -hmm. so you start out completely panicked yeah when you actually start breaking down what those stats mean Mm -hmm. the risk isn't as high as what is being presented to you with the intensity yeah and then it's like if you get past that point of like miscarriage because they're are higher miscarriages in, in women over that age to the point where it's like now we're actually talking about you giving birth to a live baby. Um, that's the kind of thing that affects our care. And so there's a very big culture that not only of pressuring women for intervention that might not mm-hmm. want it. Like That's where I feel like I hear it the most is like they really push interventions a lot more on women who are diagnosed AMA. I think a lot of AMAs, um, they push for induction by mm-hmm. 39 weeks, yeah. which is silly because then if, if, I mean, if it's your first baby, you know, at 36 years old and they're inducing you at 39 weeks, you might as well just sign up for a C-section. And then, so that, that, and that's part of what the studies show is that for advanced maternal age moms, the, the C-sections are higher. And And you have to ask why though, like what research are they using to show the need for induction at that point? I think one of the main ones is that they're saying that the research shows IUGR is more Mm -hmm. common. So they're trying to cut it out by 39 (laughs) weeks. You got that one, right? Thank you. (laughs) Cut (laughs) it out. IUBCT (laughs) is more more elevated in the quadrant of the QBT. Yeah. I anyway. have no idea what you're talking about. Me right either. Now. Just drink some more jelly. Okay. Yeah. No clue. Let's get this gross water away from me. Get the bong um, away. 
but but I also wanted to before we actually like dive in like, like a, a muff. to statistics. Um, I wanted I to I went there, ladies. I think we already dove in. Yeah, but but just talking about the anxiety that that produces in people because mm-hmm. it's not only pressuring them for more intervention. Um in birth but I've heard a lot of people where it's just like they're constantly focusing on what could go wrong your entire pregnancy Um, and then like towards the end of pregnancy wanting to do more non-stress tests or weekly growth scans all these sorts of things and so it's asking like that level of stress in itself can cause problems with your pregnancy we the mom who wrote in her birth story Mm -hmm. this week that we're using um because she was considered ama she i just remember her entire pregnancy they made her they had convinced her i guess that something was going to go wrong yeah no she was so old there was no way so her whole pregnancy i kept going you're perfect. Yeah. Your baby's just perfect. Be that other voice. Everything is fine. And she just couldn't, it was like, she just it's, couldn't wrap around the fact that everything she was doing was so spot on and perfect mm-hmm. because they had already convinced her that something was going to go Once wrong. you have that seed planted of yeah. doubt, it's very hard to override that seed of doubt. And she mentioned to me feeling like that, um, advanced maternal age or you know label was insulting and and i've heard other people say that too like some people ageism is so freaking present in our culture yeah like birth is supposed to be in pregnancy supposed to be safe and yet here's this like horrible ism that we're now shoving into oh, women's it's lives safe. in a really sacred space if you're somewhere between 24 and 24 and <laughs> yeah. your bmi is exactly 24 and <laughs> 24 is the magic yeah, number and it's your third baby then everything is perfect i feel like i feel like ama is like the last couple generations (laughs) pulling the mic away doesn't make it better (laughs) i feel like the ama is this generation's like weight control in pregnancy right so i feel like in the 50s through like the 60s and 70s they are obsessed with like weight gain in pregnancy and making women feel really guilty yeah 15 20 pounds anything more or less is abnormal i feel like now we're we've kind of like move past that a little bit but we somehow have gotten stuck on ama mm-hmm. and then i feel like just that and and this is all just what i've noticed from my you know not being scientific but just from my years of like having clients many many is many that years. when you're in your third trimester and they're pushing all of this testing like you need to come in for a, a weekly non-stress test you need to come in for a weekly Cereal growth scan um yeah. Just the fact that you are doing that many tests makes it more likely that they're going to find something that looks like it is wrong, which I'm are doing things like the care, the ears, yeah, right now, like which the is things supposedly. that, which are things that we've talked about before that it's like notoriously easy to misdiagnose, like low fluid levels or mater- or fetal or IUGR. IGR fetal weight is notoriously misdiagnosed but I find in the culture it tends to be like if they see something that looks a little like iffy um they'll be like well you're AMA anyway so we might as well go ahead and do this just in case you're decrepit let's just go ahead yeah well it's also like it's not just fear in the mothers and like the parents of these babies it's almost like it's fear in the providers like i just feel like there's a culture of fear in the providers too that lead to these interventions and this like there's just like a lot of doubt in the medical community too that i feel like is not really justified some of those things too i think we what i consider anyway when i'm thinking about these things is we have our technology is 
crazy. So we can see, say, an ultrasound, for example, so much more than we have ever been able to see. So do you remember when they were when they started putting placental lakes on? Okay, so oh my gosh, you have what is this? Yeah, and what is this? And then like oh, and now, oh, you're now like Meh. now all these women have what's called a placental lake, a like, subchorionic hemorrhage. Right. This must be oh, why is this suddenly happening? It's not suddenly mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, our technology is just picking up things. So I think with AMA, there's a lot of things that are happening that have always been happening, but our technology is so amazing. It's just we keep fucking with nature right well when you go looking for problems you're gonna find find them them. so sometimes i just like with ama i just think it's absolutely crazy and we have mom that that transfer in at like 40 they're 41 years old and i talk to them and at the end they're like um there's just like oh you didn't mention my age and i'm like Mm -hmm. is it your birthday what are we gonna we gonna celebrate today no i'm so old i'm like listen i'm not yeah. We're not doing that. You already got your form. Drop you that defensiveness it. at the door because yeah. you don't need it here. You already signed your waiver. and Yeah, whatever. I've had people definitely ask me if that would risk them out of care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the all the time. Doctor. Yeah. yeah. Um, because they're just, it's been so focused on with their other providers that they can't imagine it not being like, rah, 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 you're well, old. Which I hate it. I hate the idea of getting old. And so, like, if I ever got pregnant and they told me I was, like, advanced maternal age, I'd probably, like... Take them in the throat. Yeah. Run off into the woods. First of all, if you got pregnant... Well, we'd have a lot of other problems. We would have so many more (laughs) problems. But then if you started calling me old and pregnant, for God's sakes, (laughs) batten down the hatches. (laughs) Just wait. Might as well just kill her on the spot. I don't know. I turned turned 30, I don't know, I guess around 38. I was like, oh my God, everyone was right. Your metabolism, we can't, I'm not even going to get into it, but just I'm there for you when it happens. And for you, little baby, happy birthday, Meredith. She just turned 30. Yeah. so excited 30, for my 30s 30s a new 20 30s have been my favorite i oh, love, i'm so excited for my 30s but now they're gone and i have to get really excited i it think 40s is a new 30 i don't think so i yeah. think it is i think it, it is, is. Okay. for sure i wanted to say too like we're gonna dive into this person's story later but i want to talk about how ridiculous it is that somebody's that were sharing their story started care at 34 mm-hmm. turned 35 before they had a baby and they're like yep high risk it's like it's a couple months and if she but had this magic had, number has appeared if she had been due before that birthday yeah. they wouldn't have made no her problem. sign that paper literally nothing they never would have mentioned yeah. anything yeah so, does I, someone's life would literally shift that drastically it's like the bmi no. thing like what happens when you had a bmi when you have a suddenly a bmi from 29 to 30 yeah you have to sign all this paperwork that you're obese and your baby could be stillborn or you could have mm-hmm. it's just <sighs> yeah. there's just look a at lot the of... full clinical picture let's look at and everything. so then it really comes down to like what we always talk about informed consent and so moms aren't really being given this informed consent and if they are it's more scare tactics than informed mm-hmm. consent and so like it's so crazy how many clients that i have that they'll be like well we should induce you at 39 weeks and the mom's not comfortable with that and they'll like pull the dead baby card it's like oh well your risk your of having a, your baby die increases like, every that's day. It's not informed consent. No. Come on. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the numbers. I don't want to dive in too deep because there's like, we don't, we there's don't dive not, into muffs too do deep. Do you need the light on so you can see since you're old? There's backlighting no, on because it's a phone. phone. Okay. So Kim, I don't know if you know this about phones, but they now have lighting on them so you can Thank read them better. Yes. Thank you. So one, one um, statistic I wanted to talk about was 
the fact that it was interesting that in why are you laughing at me i'm just thinking of kim's glasses fogging out during a birth and all that good stuff. <laughs> you should have said that all the way in the microphone <laughs> i never mind i did i sometimes will take the mask off at the very end so i can, see. can actually see what's happening so I can take a peek. We have to put little windshield <laughs> wipers on your glasses. I need little wipers on my glasses. COVID actually invented, I, I invented those as a child. It was one of the projects I did. Nice. Um, but it didn't work really well because once the Q-tips get wet, they're just smearing. You should invent it now during COVID. I mean, people are making money on masks. <gasps> if you come up with like glass defoggers or like yeah. windshield wipers so people can like wear a mask. I'm not and that innovative glasses. anymore. I don't. You can make some bank. In doing that. Um, so again, the statistic I wanted to talk about, and they do not, from what I've seen in the medical community, if you are advanced maternal age, they just label you as advanced maternal age and tell you that your risk of stillbirth and birth problems is higher um. after a certain point in time. But the actual studies show that the risk of stillbirth um, is actually higher in first-time moms across the board, whether you are 18 or 40. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so if you are over 35 and you've had a baby before, they've actually found that your risk of stillbirth is lower than, than an 18-year-old first-time mom or a 20-year-old first-time mom. So you do not actually have an increased f risk um, for stillbirth. <laughs> Hello, dogs. Sorry, y'all. Those are my fur babies. <laughs> hey. You do not have an increased risk for stillbirth if you are over the age of 35. If you have already had a baby, your risks are actually that were over a first time mom that is younger. So the risks might still be slightly elevated from a second time mom that's not over 35, but not um, so that. They should be treating first-time moms of all right. They ages don't, you that way. You don't have to way. sign a, a form of consent as a first-time mom saying your baby could be yeah, a Yeah, weird, right? Yeah. Okay, so I just wanted to find these numbers. Well, we didn't say it made sense. <laughs> well, a lot of... We rarely of, do. A lot of stuff doesn't make sense. There's just um, a lot of fear and mistrust of birth, which goes back so long, long, long ago. We haven't actually long, done a history. A long episode time on the history ago. Of that actually would be a very upsetting and interesting article you could get real gnarly i have read a lot of horrific books on how birth used to be as have many of you out there it's oh terrible. yeah and so also according to this article stillbirth is a lot less common today than it was 30 or 40 years ago oh, right um so food, the numbers are going down you know more std screening <laughs> yeah yeah okay especially in nursing homes so apparently the oldest risk for stillbirth is if you are a first time mom who is also over 35, but I Did just want the oldest risk. The highest risk oh. is if you are a first time mom over 35. Um, so I just wanted to, to show from this one study from research in Sweden. Um, this research in Sweden combined both um, stillbirth rates and perinatal death rates. So that would go up to like, day 28 right um 
You're talking about... Uh, it's just saying that they, they combine two different numbers besides just stillborn. So the death rates in Sweden, this study, were slightly higher. And so they were saying, the researchers in Sweden found that women in their 20s had a perinatal death rate of 6.0 per 1,000, or 0.6%. Women aged 40 to 44 had a perinatal death rate of 10.8 per 1,000. And women aged 45 and older had a perinatal death rate of 16.6 per 1,000. So that's, um, it goes up from 0.6% to 1% and then up to 1.6%. Yeah. So it's a difference of a 1% overall risk from the 20s to being over 45. Um, Which is shockingly low for as much drama as we as we stir up around AMA, yes. Mm -hmm. And so then the United Kingdom um, study said women aged 18 to 34 had a stillbirth rate of 4.7 per 1,000, or 0.47%. Women between 35 and 40 had a stillbirth rate of 6.1 per 1,000. Oh, it's 4.7 per 1,000? Yes. Wouldn't that be 0.047? No, it's 0.47. And then women between 35 and 40 had a stillbirth rate of 6.1 per 1,000, or 0.61. Women 40 and older had a stillbirth rate of 8.1 or 0.81. So across the board, it was Porn, still point less. Eight, yeah, 0.81. It was still 1%. less than 1%. And really, it only goes from 0.47% to 0.81%. So again, that's so a it's smaller like increase. The it's risk, not even half a percent. <laughs> yeah, it's the risks. Are, like when they say that it's increasing, like it'll say like you have double the risk. And But when you're talking about a risk of like 0.4 to 0.8 that is double the it's risk the art but of graphing you right. can really still, make that look impressive yeah and so um basically it was talk so when it comes down to like really doing the research and we can't cover all the numbers because that would be boring it would be boring and it would just be not yeah it would be not good we couldn't cover it in even a week of talking probably but and we talk a lot yeah, and so it's like when you're talking about the kind of birth you want, you and you can't just judge it from like, is my baby going to live through this or not? And so the studies show that overwhelmingly, if you get to full term and you're over 35, you're going to have a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very, very, very small risk of um, having a stillborn. Um and so it's then talking about the other risks of like anxiety in pregnancy or interventions that can cause more damage to both you and your baby. Like there are higher risks to inductions, to cesareans, mm-hmm. to you and to your baby. And fear and self-doubt. The, the, I think for, and we don't have numbers to prove all this, but the risk of a cesarean is higher than your risk of a vaginal birth yeah. with AMA. AMA from what I can remember and well, that's you're, not necessarily because of problem it's because of intervention rates just the intervention higher. rates well yeah. your risk of, a cesarean is more risky than a vaginal birth for moms across Period. the board mm-hmm. regardless of unless the mom is incapable of having a vaginal birth then other than that like if you can have a vaginal birth the risks of vaginal birth are less than the risks of c-section um across the board and so that's where it's like talking about this instead of using scare tactics using actual informed consent and like respecting mom's decisions why it's like why why do we have so much trouble doing that it's easier to be able to schedule women 
than it is when you are treating hundreds of women a month. It's much easier to just have, well, we know this group's going to be scheduled for induction on this day. Mm -hmm. That's way easier than sitting there and explaining the numbers and giving resources and, Mm -hmm. you know, saying, Hey, come in next time after your research, we'll talk about it. People just don't have time to do that. But then it also talked about as well that, you know, maternal care and pregnancy and birth, um, the majority of people is not going by evidence-based care. It's more of an art than a science. And so a, a practice who has an idea about what's safe and what's not, or it's like, well, we might as well induce you because why not? Um, it's taking out the fact that there's really not a lot of studies to have evidence-based care on. So this evidence-based birth um, article talked about how there there was only one study that was ever done where they randomly grouped moms that were over 35 into either being induced to 39 weeks or waiting to 41 or 42. And in that study, they found in, in both groups, like there was no deaths. It wasn't a big enough study. And so if that's the only study, yeah, like they're basing all of these decisions off of a complete lack of research. And a lot of the stuff they used to base on was that old study done like in France. Yeah. In the forties or yeah, where when stuff was like horrifically we can't off. Even, like we can't talk about that anymore. Can't <laughs> extrapolate data from that. Um, yeah, and so it's like if the studies are not even there, and then you're not if you if all you're basing success on is the fact that the mom and the baby don't die, and you're taking out all these other things like maternal happiness with their their birth or postpartum depression or, or setting tra- up for a success or trauma, with like healthy breastfeeding, exactly. Um, you're, you're keeping out a whole part of the puzzle. That's not, that's so important when it comes to maternal care and pregnancy and birth. All of these things that we're saying though, would rely on the mom figuring this out and doing like doing her own research and finding a provider that supports you and your choices. And then choosing a provider that will. But how hard is that to do if you're a person who's never been exposed to people that question the status quo? Right. And or never taught anything different. Or they're just being told their baby would die or and then even if they feel unhappy or traumatized by their birth, they're like, well, my baby's here. So it's worth it, which is totally true. But it's like, please listen to the birth trauma episode. (laughs) Yeah. But there's that lack of like there there still is really that lack of like support that moms it's not just a healthy mom and baby that's important because if you're not emotionally healthy um you're gonna take that into your parenting as well Mm -hmm. um it's time to go to our break and then we will come back and chat a little bit more about this and then share our birth story of the week let's do it do it do it cue the music Oh, yeah. So our sponsor for today's episode is once again our Teespring shop. Do you love cute shirts with birthy sayings on them? Do you love our logo? Would you love to have a mug or a bag with our logo on it? Well, if you like any of those things, then our Teespring shop is the place for you. Um, We will put a link to it in our posts on social media, Um, but it's the Wine About Birth Teespring, and we are really trying to raise money in order to get a professional to add closed captions to our YouTube videos so that the deaf community can enjoy our podcast as much as the hearing community. So check out our Teespring shop and um, enjoy the rest of the podcast. Cheers! Welcome back from that delightful break. I have a story. 
tell your story. We all have a story now. Don't we yeah, though? We do. Um, so I had a client down in Harrisonburg when I was a student who was, I think she was either 35 or 36. I can't remember, but she was a total badass, and she ran every single day, at least like five miles. And when she went into labor, she actually lived like five miles from the center. And she, when she went into labor, her birth plan was to run to the birth center. And we were like, whatever. That is ridiculous. We're not, that's like, How long was she in labor when she got there? Not she, for very long. What? I so don't even, like I don't even run baby. five miles now and I, I haven't know. had a baby for eight years. No. So she definitely, and we're like, you're not like, okay, we're going to do it, but we're not going to do it. And then, sorry, there's children playing with masks. I'm distracted. They got excited about a package my mom sent. It's filled with child masks. Nice. We're definitely going to borrow those for birth. They're children. We'll make them more. So anyway, so anyway, she did. She made it. She ran to the center in early labor. That's and it was great. And she had a really nice labor at the center. And it wasn't very long. And I was like, this woman is literally the coolest woman I've ever met in my life. That's I crazy. could never do that. And I really wanted her. I'm pretty sure she had had non like I'm pretty sure she had had hospital providers at some point, either with her other children or earlier. And I wanted her to like send them a letter, and be like, "Fuck you guys, look what look I look did." Look what I did. That's amazing. That's crazy. That's above and beyond. Because there's so much more than just one thing. It's yes. like the BMI thing. You might have a BMI of 34, which is curvy, but if you eat healthy and you exercise mm-hmm. and you're just sh- short and curvy, then what? <sighs> I have a lot of friends who are waiting until later in life to have kids. And the conversation we always have is like, it's more of like your spirit and your energy. And like, you know what? Like, yeah, you might be past what they say is a safe age, but like you are more energetic and healthy than some 20 somethings I know. Mm-hmm. So like, exactly. you're going to rock it out. Everything's going to be great. So I wanted to go over before we do our birth story of the week, um, the, that evidence-based birth article. Um, if this is a subject that's interesting to you I definitely recommend checking it out and reading all those stats but they always have like a bottom line Mm -hmm. at the bottom of the article that kind of like wrap it up let's sum it up that takes too long let's sum it up um sum it up so this is what the bottom line was of the advanced maternal age article it said delaying pregnancy is more common today but it can lead to more difficulties getting pregnant and a greater chance of miscarriage Uh, bullet point number two There is a higher risk of stillbirth at the end of pregnancy in people who are 35 or older, but that risk has gotten lower over the past few decades, and it is also lower among people who are healthy and or have given birth before. Mm -hmm. Bullet point number three. It's important for pregnant people and their care providers to look at the big picture. Quotation marks. Does the woman have additional risk factors for stillbirth aside from age, such as giving birth for the first time or type 2 diabetes? If so, these factors should be factored into decision making as well. And notice she doesn't say that means you should react a certain way. It just says in decision making, which implies informed consent to your client so they can make those decisions alongside what they're providing. Have that discussion and talk about what those numbers actually are, how Mm -hmm. high they are, and what does a mom feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Um, Next one. There are increases in the rates of many childbirth problems as a person ages. Some increases in risk are very small and other rates like cesarean rates, increase more dramatically. But again, like we were saying, that's not necessarily because of problems causing C-sections. It might be people's perception of AMA causing interventions leading to C-sections. Exactly. So it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Did you get a C-section because you were old or did you get, or were you old and you got a C-section? You were old and got a C-section. I have a feeling it's the latter. I also have a feeling about that. Um, the next one. In England, 
Midwifery-led care, as opposed to care delivered by obstetricians, has been shown to decrease the rate of the interventions with no increased risk to the baby. So what that means is the midwives were using less interventions. Because we trust birth. And having just as good of outcomes with the mom and the baby. Um, The only randomized trial on induction at 39 weeks versus not inducing labor at 39 weeks and instead waiting in women 35 or older found that the two options had similar results in terms of cesarean rates. There were zero stillbirths in the study and it was too small to measure the risk. And again, we wanted to just say like, that's the fact that that's the only randomized trial about that. Just showing that there's not enough information about it. The last one, there is no consensus among researchers and obstetrical midwifery organizations on the best way to care for a person at the end of pregnancy when they are 35 or older. As we gain more research on this topic, perhaps we will have better thoughts. And then the final thoughts were, for women who are trying to decide if they should delay pregnancy or not, they may want to consider the decline in fertility and the increase in miscarriage rates with age, um, as well as the increased risk of problems at the time of birth. Uh, Stillbirths are rare today compared to previous decades, but there are slightly higher stillbirth rates throughout pregnancy in older women compared to younger women. Um, And these rates go up at the end of pregnancy. However, the good news is, and I really like the how they ended this, that the vast majority of people 35 and older who make it to term will have a healthy baby. Intervention rates for this group may be further lowered by using a midwifery-led model of care as a large English study showed excellent outcomes and fewer interventions for people who are 35 and older and planned a birth with the midwifery-led model of care. Holla! And evidence-based birth is not pro-midwifery. Like, they're not not a forum that's, like, really promoting a hospital midwifery No, they're just taking all the available studies for each subject and comparing them and actually trying to get an actual picture of what's happening so that you're making decisions based on evidence, whether you're going to uh, obstetrically-led practice or a midwifery-led practice. So it's time for our birth story of the week. I actually kind of have two. One was actually written in, and the other one was um, just kind of she wanted to me to talk about it from my point of view. So I'll do that one first. And so I had a client, and this was early on in my doula career, and she wasn't even 35 during her pregnancy. She was 34 during this her pregnancy, we but she was going to turn 35 before her due date. And so she said that her first, she was planning a hospital for birth. Her first time going into the hospital, they gave her a form with all the things that could happen. Um, And she said, because she had been starting to, what she called, dip her toes into like crunchy lifestyle choices. Is that because you guys were talking about stuff during her doula care? Um, I think it was just like where she was at in life too. Like she was just starting to see like this whole other way of looking at things. Um, but she was planning a hospital birth. It was her second baby, but her daughter, her last birth, she had been like 12 years ago, I believe, mm-hmm. and had been kind of traumatic. So she was um, a little bit nervous about giving birth again. And so she said because she had started like looking into uh, you know, crunchy stuff, I'm using air quotes, Alternative. Um, that when they labeled her as advanced maternal age, that she just thought it was like ridiculous and she, did, she didn't really pay much attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to say like it was so interesting that when she called me to say her husband called me saying, I think things are getting started. You can probably head over. And so I like got ready 
and I headed to her house and she lived probably 15 12 year gap I always kind of like oh we're it's gonna be a primate birth like we're starting we're starting from scratch here so she so I yeah I just got him I got ready and I was like okay he didn't make it sound like things were super intense he was just like yeah things are getting started you can head over so I got ready I like got in the car she lives 15 maybe 20 minutes away from me and so I was getting off the exit like 10 minutes from my house and I got a call saying oh she had the baby 15 Shut minutes up. ago and I was like 15 they oh wait my gosh, it was 15 what? minutes ago it was less than an hour her birth was less than an hour from That's the time awesome. that he called to the time she had the baby and so she lived literally like three minutes from the hospital yeah and they didn't make it to the hospital so and so no they, they stayed at home oh good they didn't even like because she just started pushing and yeah. so and I remember the funniest detail she told me was when she told her husband she was like I think I'm pushing and and she said it was so funny because he, he didn't like panic he stopped and he like bent down and he took off his boots nice she was like, so you just don't want to deliver a baby with your boots on it's <laughs> <laughs> like a weird detail <laughs> That's amazing. but she like pushed out her baby like a champ and like this was a big baby it was not a little baby um super super fast birth and so i got there between the birth of the baby and the birth of placenta placenta came out shortly afterwards they did not at that point want to go to the hospital because they were like this is the best did it this was the best thing ever. Like, um, we feel happy here. The birth is done. Like, we don't want to go to the hospital and ruin it. And so... Um, That's awesome because a lot of people would have packed up yeah. and gone. Nope. And so, like, they birthed the placenta. I kind of, like, I supported Held them the space. <laughs> through the postpartum um, period. And she Aww, wanted me... She want Yeah. She Rock wanted me out. to mention that she is now, like, a home birth. Like, she she's just, like, Goddess. so an advocate for home birth. And she ended up having another baby at home with nice. midwives, which also went just as fast. Oh, sure. um, and so it was, like, it, she was able to have that awesome outcome being advanced maternal age. And so, okay, now I want to go into our actual birth story of the week. Um, this was a birth... Um, it was a client of both me and Kim's. Um, and so she sent in her story. So I'm just going to read it because it do talks. It, do it, do it. It talks a little bit about her, um, her thoughts about being labeled as advanced maternal age. So she said, I, in mid-2019, I was 41, about to turn 42. So she was in like the next bracket of mm -hmm. advanced maternal age as well. And those magical number games that we've created. Yep. And my husband and I were just hanging up our hats, so to speak, on having any more children. That's that. We already had a gorgeous little girl, six at the time, who is so cute and is probably one of the most, um, she's so smart. Like, she just has these conversations with you, like, smarter than most adults that mm -hmm. have conversations. Mm -hmm. And she would say stuff to me that I was just like, I would talk to her like she was a kid, like, saying something She'd like, be like, can you please use vocabulary that I understand yeah. so well advanced? She'd be like, actually, that butterfly is going through metamorphosis and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. <laughs> it was hysterical. I love that little girl. That's not a tractor. That's an excavator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so her husband was turning 50 that summer. She said, after finally losing all my baby weight and then some, I was ready to settle into our little family of three. How often does that happen where people finally get to like the shape they want to be in and it's like, or just like, I'm happy with this, this number. This yep. is a great family size. Yep. <laughs> so 
Then the unthinkable in May of 2019. I miss my period. I'd always been very, very regular with few exceptions. So I chalked it up to stress at work. Waited a couple of weeks before testing. I tested positive. (laughs) Avoiding it as long as humanly possible. I tested positive on Father's Day and sprang the news on my husband that he said he already knew. Huh. After having two miscarriages and losing my mother. Listen, this guy knows a lot. Yes, he does. They're a perfect couple. Isn't he awesome? They're a perfect couple. They're so good for each other. <laughs> um, so she said, after having a few miscar- after having two miscarriages and losing my mother all in 2016, we were very, very wary. Even though I never actually got sick with any of my pregnancies, my sense of smell changed rapidly and I started dry heaving 10 to 20 times a day regularly. It was hard to hide at work, so I told my two female co-works, co blah, co-workers. I'm going to call you guys my co-works from now on. My co-works. Weeks went by. I even had a little scare in mid-July where I thought I saw the beginnings of another miscarriage. Turned out the embryo at nine weeks had a strong heartbeat and was quite viable. That's when we knew we were in this for the long haul. I had gone to a new OBGYN to establish prenatal care at around 10 weeks or so. Weeks went by. I even had a little scare in mid-July where I thought I saw the beginnings of another miscarriage. Turned out the embryo at nine weeks had a strong heartbeat and was quite viable. That's when we knew we were in this for the long haul. I just want to stop and talk about like how hard all of that must have been emotionally. Like she was still in, in a hard place from losing her mom, from having miscarriages. Then she's dry heaving 10 to 20 times a day. Thinks that she has another miscarriage at one point. I just like the amount of stress even just going into that before even like going to also it's an unexpected pregnancy unexpected pregnancy all right so she continues i had gone to a new obgyn to establish prenatal care at around 10 weeks or so my air quotes condition seemed grim according to the doctor she recommended a myriad of tests and wanted me to follow up with her every couple of weeks given my geriatric status. Mm. Can, can you just imagine the anxiety no. that would cause? Like, Great, I'm carrying a baby that's going to dead it, that's gonna be dead at any moment. Right. It's crazy. Because I'm the age I am. Yeah. So she said I had also set up a, um, I had also set up an appointment with a local birthing center just five miles from my house. That's where that's okay. Premier Birth Center. Yeah. After my experience with the OBGYN, I figured, why not? The birthing center was fabulous. I didn't feel like I was carrying near as heavy a burden after meeting with them. The thought the geriatric term the other practice used was not only ridiculous, but insulting. I think I was supposed to say they thought the geriatric term the other practice used was insulting and ridiculous. We shared our thoughts on that term earlier. (laughs) Yes. I definitely do not agree with that. Um, And so she said... Plenty of women get pregnant and go on to have very healthy pregnancies well into their 40s. And that I did, even with a somewhat concerning stigma of being 42 and pregnant. I had a fair amount of stress during the pregnancy, mostly due to a very demanding job. Aside from gaining much more weight than I intended the second trimester and having borderline gestational diabetes, my pregnancy was fairly uneventful. I definitely had a lot of fears and what ifs in my head like getting late-term preeclampsia like my mother had with me or hemorrhaging out as I neared D-Day. But I was determined to go all-natural or else less medication-free. 
I don't think she was. She definitely was not diabetic. No, she said she was um, borderline. Borderline. Diabetic. So she had. It was just very close. She had some high number, but yeah, she it was wasn't technically no. gestational. It was not diagnosable. Diabetic. No, yes. no, not diagnosed. Just yeah, high, and it was and high it was normal. Uh, diet controlled. Okay. Because she's amazing. Oh, and she would talk about all the stuff she was missing. Like, oh my gosh, I just want whatever. Yes. Chocolate chip, ice cream. I'd be like, no, you can't have it. <laughs> you cannot have it. Um, so she said, I definitely had a lot of fears and what ifs in my head, like getting late term preeclampsia like my mother had with me or hemorrhaging out as I near D Day, but I was determined to go all natural slash medication free. Um, and I want to talk about how we she talked about those fears with us though. And like Oh yes. We went over several times about like this is what happens if you hemorrhage like this is what we this is what we have this is what we do like trying to yeah, she brought in every time she had like her little list of things that we would go over that way nothing was a surprise yeah so that was really smart yeah and I do remember her saying several times like oh I didn't realize that you guys could do all of that for a postpartum hemorrhage and so it was like and so I think it's important when you have fears like that and I feel like in a situation like this people tend to have more fears because it's like you already have that stigma in your head of I'm, I'm like high risk and I'm older and then you have the thoughts you came with you and then you had like miscarriages and so it's just like there's a lot more anxiety mm -hmm. associated with a pregnancy like that i think she is the best combatant so anxiety i feel like I, I started to get the feeling not started but i had with her that after everything she had gone through i was so chill it was almost like why aren't you worried i'm like i'm not worried yeah why are you not freaking out about this i'm not freaking out yeah so then at one visit I was going out of town. Of course, she, that's when she had her baby. Mm -hmm. But she was like, I'm just I'm just really worried that you're going to go out of town and I'm going to have my baby. And I yeah. said, well, if worrying about that is going to keep you from worrying about this, then go ahead. Worry about it. <laughs> and her husband started laughing. And I'm like, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying you have, you know, the likelihood of me not being there is higher than the likelihood of any of these of things all these happening. Things. Yeah. You know? She was so healthy. Yeah, so, so healthy. Um, so then she said, oh, I like this part. I'm happy to report that with my rock star doula by my side. That, yeah, you like that that's part. That's you. <laughs> that's me. She's that's pointing me, at herself as though we, <laughs> like, we don't know. She just, like, striking poses over here in the corner. Ah, uh, uh, no, uh, I'm uh. just joking. I don't feel that way. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> stop it. Everything about my delivery went without a hitch at the birthing center. I even got to hydro birth my son near the end. I started out with no underlying health conditions, so maybe that helped my case. Being an older mom is no walk in the park, but it was totally worth it. And I just want to talk a little Yay. bit more about how her birth went because it was so, like, normal. I think that part of her birth went back to, like, what we talk about in the mind-body connection mm -hmm. episode where it's, like, the primal if you have anxiety about things it can be harder for your brain to switch over into that primal mode um so i went with her to her house because i can kind i could kind of tell i felt like i don't know from her point of view but we talked about it that um she was having contractions all day not super regularly not super intense um but she called me to come over like at the evening time and i could tell by her i could tell her contractions were gonna like turn that corner like we say if she could just relax go into that primal part of her brain and so I was sitting with her on the couch and I just remember feeling like she was so like tense like sitting up during every contraction and tightening her muscles and just really having a hard time um 
going into that place. And so I recommended like, let's go lay down in the bed and I'll rub your back and you can lay on your side. You can try Was and get her some, back or did you do the butt thing? The butt back thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, the lower All back, that, the, you know, the magical thing where the backish area meets <laughs> the buttish area, the buttack. That's why they call it the buttocks. So as soon as she, so as soon as she laid down on her side, cause she was tired, she was able to actually start sleeping in between contractions, which when you're sleeping, you can't be thinking about all these things. And so immediately her body switched over. Like, I think we laid in the bed for like an hour at the most. And her contractions were like, bam and I was like that's what we're talking about to the point where it went from like I don't know we're either gonna be doing this all night and it's not gonna go anywhere or it's gonna turn that corner so side lying is and just being able to turn off your brain and Mm -hmm. so her brain turned off those contractions just like bam, I told bam, her bam. the entire pregnancy, dumb it down, stop thinking, yep. stop being Which is so a, it's smart. So, it's easy to say that and hard to do. I know. And so, and then it was to the point where I was like, oh, I hope we make it to the birth center, even though it's one exit away. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Kim. So I guess we, you weren't there though. So who no, are you apologizing no, to? to Jen. Jen. And sorry, so we, Jen. we get to the birth center and things just kept going. And like, then we're in the bed and like she started pushing a little in the bed got in the pool within one contraction in the pool she had her baby like she was so, barely at the center so amazing and me and jenna Jen looking said, at each other just like oh, is yeah. this really happening is her baby coming out right now like <laughs> yeah queen it is jen said that she was amazing i so was so good listen i'm not part of this story yeah. But I had a bunch of texts when I got up that you morning. You are part of the story. This absence, your absence is part of the story. I <laughs> probably stressed her into labor. I'm kidding. But I woke up to like texts from you. Like you had texted me. Yeah. And Jen had texted me. And I was like, what are the effing chances that she has her I baby? Think- I, try, I try not to say the F word. <laughs> I don't know why. But go me. And I was so, I was so happy for her because yeah. I knew how done she was, but I was so damn, oh, I wanted to be there. It. Yes. Yes. Well, I enjoyed doing it with Jen, but I was sad you were not there either. <laughs> I yeah. just didn't want to miss her. Not birth. as many booty shots. Like, I wanted to not- be there like mostly to watch her daughter like be a part of everything yes. because it was so excited for her. Yes. You want to take pictures of my butt. I, I appreciate it. We don't take shots. Booty shots in people's labors. We take photos of each other's booties. Yeah. In labor. That's my well, favorite I could have done that to Jen. I just don't think I did. She has no butt. It's teeny I don't know tiny. I would appreciate it. At the same it's a way. teeny tiny little cute butt. Well, she- now I'm going to do it the next birth I do with her just for <laughs> shits and giggles. What you going to do with that big fat butt? So anyway, so, so the whole point of the story is that this mom who has had all of this anxiety instilled in her that she was a geriatric, grim outlook, her baby might not make it, like was able to have this awesome out of hospital normal birth medication free birth um and And while her birth may have obviously was difficult for her because she did all the work jen was like she birthed better than yeah like any 30 or 20 year old would have birthed and like she was so amazing with no complications she went into labor on her own she didn't have complications and so it's just like goes to show like it's really easy when you're looking at these statistics to feel anxiety. But at the same time, because of what we talk about with anxiety, if the, that risk that of losing your baby is giving you more anxiety than thought of intervention, then it's a totally reasonable option to, to talk to your provider about 
what to do Mm -hmm. and how you want to handle that, whether it be induction or cesarean. Um, But there's really not enough evidence to be pushing these interventions on people who don't want them and do feel comfortable letting their pregnancy progress in a normal way. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that there's any excuse for um, instilling undue anxiety in moms who don't have that anxiety themselves yeah mainstream medicine does not take into account the role of anxiety and outcomes really at all which is and it needs to be because it's a real like stress levels are a real um risk factor Mm -hmm. for pregnancy delivery birth i mean when they study which we could have a whole other podcast episode about this but when they study outcomes in moms who have high stress levels Um, they tend to be worse because we just know how stress affects our bodies. Mm -hmm. It makes everything just not work as well. Yeah. It's not just emotional. It's physical. Yeah. So we have to end this episode. If you heard weird things in the background, I'm sorry. Our kids were literally, they are, they are literally being asshats today. I cannot even including the dogs. I'm so sorry. And the dogs, there's, there's dogs, there's kids. But you know what? Who cares? Because we are, we're birth workers. We're moms, moms. future moms, supporting moms. (laughs) Yes. And we have kids. And if we don't want to do this with our kids around, we just wouldn't do it. So yes, I'm sure you guys understand. Yes. And so all we have to say, is keep getting that informed consent have your amazing births that you want look for providers that support you in your wishes for Rock birth. your age and then other than Rock that, that i have to say is you're not geriatric you're hot you're hot, hot. all right cheers, cheers.